grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter number six. Romans chapter number six. Uh, We are going to continue where we started last week on a uh, new covenant. We are, we have a new covenant. Jesus instituted the night before his uh, crucifixion. And because of the death on the cross, we have a brand new covenant with the Lord. Say amen. Amen. Thank the Lord for his forgiveness, a new atonement, a new assistant. Amen. We have the Holy Ghost to help us and be with us. We have a new assurance. He will remember our sins no more. Amen. Today, I want to talk about a new life, a new life. Because we have a new covenant. We can live a new life. And let me tell you this. If you are saved, if you are truly born again, if you have come to know Christ as your Savior, you will live a new life. You will live a new life. Uh, uh, This is going to be one of them kind. This is going to be one of them kind. You got to pay attention. All right. Uh, You know, you hear me say this all the time. Can't go get popcorn on this one. You got to stay focused. Stay with me because uh, we're going we're gonna to study and dig, all right? We're going to dig into this and let you see some real truths that's going to be a blessing to you. Uh, Paul, in this particular chapter, he is refuting an argument. He knows that there's going to be uh, people who are uh, going to buck up against what he said in chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And so he is going to refute the argument they're going to give. In chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, he spends those chapters teaching us that we're sinners. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he teaches us that the only way to have that sin dealt with is through faith. Not good works. It's not by the deeds of the law. He says, by the deeds of the law shall no man be justified. It is by grace alone through faith alone. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. And at the end of chapter five, he said, let me tell you this. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Let me say that again. That sounded good. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And what Paul is trying to say there is no matter what you've done, No matter how long you've done it, God's got enough grace to forgive your sin. There is plenty of grace to go around. But he knew, he knew there'd be some turkey try to take that truth and try to twist it around and then try to say, well, if there's so much grace, we can just keep on doing whatever we want to do. Well, if, if the, if sin makes the grace of God glorious, let's just keep sinning so there'll be more grace. How foolish that is. How foolish that is. Just because you're saved by grace through faith. In other words, it's not by good deeds. You can't come to God and say, well, I can just keep doing and live the life I want to live. What were actually two things. Number one, there's two facts you don't understand. If you think you can live the same life you live before you come to, or after you come to Christ that you live before you come to Christ, number one, you don't know that our Father in heaven has a belt and he'll use it. That's number one. Number two, you don't understand what happened to you the day you got saved. 
Because if you truly understood what happened to you that day, you would understand it is an impossibility. Let me say it again. Let me say it again so you get this. It is an impossibility for a person to come to know Christ truly and be saved and continue to live the life he used to live. And I'm going to prove it today. And all God's people say it. All right, let's jump in here real quick. Romans 6, verse number 1. What shall we say then? In other words, after he just explained that where grace abound or where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by good deeds. We're not saved by keeping the law. We're saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What did he say? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, everybody read with me, even so we also should walk in the... Let's say that again. Even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please help me to deliver this like you gave it to me. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll help me to, to, to teach it in such a way that it's easy to understand. It's easy to comprehend. I pray, Lord, that your perfect will be done. I pray, Lord, that you will give me the wisdom, give me the words, control my mind. Lord, the devil's already attacking my mind and he's already trying to distract me here this morning. And God, I know you've got a word for us and I pray that you'll give me the anointing. I pray that you'll help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to say what needs to be said, to do what needs to be done. I pray don't let me say anything I shouldn't and don't let me forget anything I should. God will be careful to give you the glory and all the praise and all the honor for it. Edify your children this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to keep reading. I want to keep reading and we'll come back and teach through it, all right? For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye, also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies or rule, reign, be the king, be the master, be the boss, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments, as un, uh, excuse me, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. 
For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Boy, that's a question, isn't it? Just because we're under grace doesn't give us a license to sin. Are y'all with me? He says, he says, shall we do that? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were, were is past tense. This is what you used to be, the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men. In other words, he said, I'm speaking in human terms because of the infirmity of the flesh. For as ye have yielded your members service to uncleanness, to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye in them things, those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin, become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Read it with me, the last verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And all God's people say it. Amen. Now, as Paul is addressing this rebuttal, if you will, he is anticipating, he's anticipating the rebuke of the people he's teaching. He knows they're going to come up. He knows that because the Judaizers and the real religious crowd, the Pharisees, they don't like the fact that you are saved by faith. They say you have to follow these rules. You have to do this and you have to do that. And there are works-based religions even today. They say, yes, you believe in Christ, but then you have to, and then they just make a list of things. Well, Paul taught us it is by grace alone through faith alone. By the deeds of the law shall no man be justified. Now, they're going to, and most people that believe in a works religion, they'll say, well, you Baptists, you just believe that you can just keep right on sinning and you're still saved. No, we don't. Now, people, people that don't know their Bible, they may say that, but they don't understand. That's an impossibility. And Paul is teaching us here in this chapter that that's an impossibility for a person who is truly... Now, do people profess? Do people make a profession? Do people go and cry, cry crocodile tears and get up and then keep living the way they live? Yes, that happens all the time. But just because you profess it don't mean you possess it. Now, if you truly are born again, something happened. Something happened. And in this chapter, Paul is teaching us what actually happened the moment that you got saved if, and that's a big if, if you truly got saved. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. Here's what he's saying. Let's go through this. Get your notes. Get your notes. Now, verses 1 through 10 Paul declares a reality. He said, this is the reality. This is, this is what really happened. He says, know ye not, verse 3, know ye not, uh, Brother Willie, if you can get me a couple of tissues if you don't care. 
Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, so also we should walk in the newness of life. Now, to begin with, let's start here. First of all, write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. I want you to see the picture. Write the word, the picture here. He is describing a picture, an illustration. And when we see this word baptized here, automatically, automatically our mind goes to the baptistry. And some people think that Paul here is referencing water baptism. That is not what he's talking about. All right, the baptism right here he's talking about, when you are baptized into Christ, he's not talking about water baptism. Now, water baptism is a symbol of that, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the baptism of the Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit. And let me explain. Let me explain. In Matthew chapter 3, how many of y'all remember when John Baptist was preaching and he was having revival and he was baptizing people? They were coming and repenting of their sins and, and they were asking him, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we're supposed to be waiting on? And he said, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm not him. Here's what he says. Matthew three eleven. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the and with fire. First Corinthians twelve thirteen is the specific is the specific uh, details of the baptism we're talking about here in chapter six. He says, "For by one." Come on, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one. Now, we are the body of Christ. The word baptize is the Greek word baptizo, which means to dip, to put into. Are y'all with me? Now, when we got saved, when we got saved, watch how this works. Everybody look at me. I know this is going, you got to stay with me. The moment we got saved, The Holy Spirit, listen, or excuse me, Jesus Christ put the Holy Spirit in you. Listen, at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit put you in Christ. Put you in Christ. It says if we are baptized into Christ. Now I'm going to explain. I know y'all are looking like, what in the world does that mean? Let me explain. All right. Look here. Look here. The word baptizo to dip. It's the word. This this is so good. It's the word that's used among Greeks to signify the dying of garments. All right. They would they would take and they would have a vat. They would have a vat of dye, red dye, purple dye, whatever dye it is. And they would take a garment. They would take fabric and, 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 and cloth And they would take that cloth and they would dip it. They would immerse it all the way into that dye and take it back out. And then that cloth would take on the character of what it was dipped into. Let me say it again. 
was once one thing, but then it was dipped into a substance and it took upon the likes and the characteristics of the subject it was dipped into. Now, let me, let me read you some, some Kenneth Weiss. This is a smart dude of old. Are y'all with me? Kenneth Weiss, he, he describes this. This word, this word refers to the introduction or placing of a person or thing into a new environment or into union with something else. So as to alter its condition or its relationship to its previous environment or condition. How many of y'all know when they dip that cloth in that dye and it come back, it was never the same. It altered its condition. It, oh yeah, say amen. Observe how perfectly this meaning is in according with the usage of the word in Romans 6, 3 and 4. Where the, the believing sinner is baptized, dipped into a vital union with Jesus Christ. The believing sinner is introduced or place in Christ. That means there's a, a union with him. By that action, he is taken out of his old environment and condition in which he lived, which was the first Adam. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Let me explain. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. What does that mean? The moment you were born into this world, David said it this way, in sin did my mother conceive me. When you were born, you were born in sin. You were born in Adam. You inherited a deadly condition from your grandfather Adam. And that condition is sin. And sin brings condemnation. So when you arrived, you were in Adam. Say that with me. You were in the first Adam. The Adam that disobeyed in the garden. How many of y'all follow me so far? All right. You are in Adam. You are in sin. You are in condemnation. You are in judgment. Are y'all with me? But the moment that you came to Christ, are y'all with me? You have been taken out of the old environment, the old condition, which was Adam. By this action, you are placed now in a new environment, a new condition, the last Adam, which was Jesus Christ. Jesus is the last Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. So it is written, the first Adam, the first man Adam, was made a living soul. And the last Adam, talking about Jesus, was made a quickening spirit. Preacher, what are you saying? The moment you got saved, the Holy Spirit took you out of being in the first Adam. He took you out of the environment of sin. He took you out of the condition of condemnation and placed you in the last Adam. He placed you in, he baptized you in Jesus Christ. And now you've gone from death unto life. You've gone from darkness unto life. You are a brand new creature. You've been baptized. You've been placed in Jesus Christ. By this action, by this action, his condition is changed 
from that of a lost sinner with a totally depraved nature to that of a saint with a divine nature. Second Peter 1, 4. His relationship to the law of God has changed from a guilty sinner to that of a... All this is of God. All this is accomplished by the act of the Holy Spirit introducing or placing him into a vital union with Jesus Christ. Preacher, what are you saying? Baptism in this verse is the Holy Spirit taking you out of the old condition, the old, listen, the old environment that you're in and placing you in Jesus Christ. Are y'all with me? That's the picture. Now, B, write this down. Here's the principle. Here's what it's trying to teach us. Here's what it's trying to teach us. Now, does everybody understand the picture here? The, 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 the fabric going down into the dye. The fabric changing and taking on the characteristics of what it was dipped into. We took on the characteristics of Christ. That's who we were baptized into. Does everybody understand that picture? Does that make sense? Now, here's the principle that that picture is trying to teach us. Here's the principle. Look what it says. Here's the principle. We are now identified with Christ. We are identified with Christ. Now, look what it says in verse 4. Look what it says in verse 4. Therefore, we are, what's those two words? We are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together, so here's what we got. We got buried with, planted together. Say that with me. Now the word buried with is the Greek word synthopto, which means to company with, or you're now together. You are found in company with. You are in company with Jesus. Does that make sense? Say amen. Planted together is some futos, which means united with or make to grow together. As this is the, the plant talk, a botanist talk, where you would graft something in and now they're growing into one thing. And what he is saying here is we are together with Jesus. The Holy Spirit, supernaturally, we are identifying with Christ. We are with Christ, we, are y'all with me? When he went to the cross, we went to the cross. When he was buried, we were buried. When he rose again, we rose again. Are y'all with me? Supernaturally, spiritually, by the power of God, the Holy Spirit took our old man, our sinful self, and took it to the cross of Calvary and nailed it to the cross with Jesus, buried it in the tomb with Jesus, and now we are raised to walk in the newness of life. We're identified with him. Now, by the way, by the way, let's just throw this in here. I'm not even going to charge you for this. This is a freebie. Why do you think Jesus was baptized? He was, he was listen, John was preaching and baptizing the baptisms of repentance. What do people repent of? Sin. What do people repent of? Was Jesus a sinner? He was perfect. So why did he get baptized? 
He said to fulfill all righteousness. What that means is this. God had to identify with sinful man. And when he was baptized, he was identified. Watch this now. Watch this now. Remember what dip means? It means taking on the character of what it's dipped into. And God came and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He took on the characteristics of sinful mankind so he could die for our sin. So when Jesus was baptized, he identified with me. And the day I get baptized, I'm identifying with him. Say amen. Boy, some of y'all get this about three in the morning. It's going to click. When he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. When he arose, I arose. I'm identifying with him. When, listen, when it's all said and done, the king of all glory, Jesus Christ, the devil's going to try to get me and God's going to say, oh, wait a minute, he's with me. I'm with Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. Does this make sense? I'm in Christ. I'm identifying with him. So whatever happened to him, and by the way, whatever happened to him happened to me. Guess what? This also means, and I can prove it by scripture, whatever he gets, I get. The verse proves it. I'm a joint heir with Christ. That means whatever he inherits, Some of y'all are not appreciating the truth that's being said today. So what's the point? What's the point? We see the principle. We see the picture. We see what he's trying to teach us. The picture is this. We've been placed in Christ. We have have been dipped into Christ. We now take on the characteristics of Christ. We are out of Adam, the old Adam, and now we're in the new Adam. We're out of the environment of sin and condemnation. Now we are in justice, and I am justified. I am now, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. And And the principle is I'm identifying with Christ. The day I got saved, I am now in Christ. Okay? God the Father looks at me like he looks at his son because I am in, I've been dipped in his son. What's the point? That's what you want to know. By the way, that's C. What's the point? What's the point? What is the the point of this whole sermon? It's I'm proving to you, you can't keep living like you used to live if you got saved. Now, here's the point. Here's the point. Look what it says. Look what it says. In in verse number six, verse number six, knowing this, knowing this, that our old man is. Okay, let's say it again. Knowing this, that our. You may tell you why you can't keep living the same. Because your old man died. Preacher, what's the point of this whole sermon? If you are truly, I mean, sure enough, born again, what you used to be is dead and gone. It's been crucified. The Holy Spirit 
took your old man, took you you used to be, took your old nature all the way back to Calvary and nailed it to that cross with Jesus and put it in the ground, it is gone. It's gone. It's dead. Dead man can't do no sin. Hello? It's gone. Gone. It's not, it's not, it's, it's, anyway. Watch here, watch here, watch here. I am crucified, Paul saying in Galatians. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Watch this here. Ephesians 4.22. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the, the old man, which is a corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the which after God is created, watch this now, this is so good. Which after God is created in righteousness and true. Look what it says, Colossians 3, 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have. Seeing that ye have. What does that mean? When you got saved, you did. Now, now, a lot of people don't understand this because they don't study their Bible and not a lot of teachers are, and preachers are preaching this like they need to be, me included. I need to get back to doing this more. You need to understand what happened to you when you got saved. The moment you got saved, whether you know it or not or understood it or not or have this information, you, your old man, died. And you put off the old man. Now, watch what happened. Watch what happened. Having... Having, you, you, you have put off the old man with his, his deeds, what the old man did. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. Let me go back to, let me go back to Ephesians. That you put on the new man, which after God, in other words, we take after God now. Before we took after old sinful Adam, but now we're taken after Christ, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now we're after the image of him that created him. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man, how many of them? Any of them. If you are in Christ, he is a Old things are passed away. Behold, all things, all things are become. Let's, let, me, let me rehearse this. The moment you got saved, if you truly got saved, your old man was killed. The Holy Spirit crucified him. He died. He died. Say it. He died. Now, there's a new man that has risen. And he is after the character 
of the one who created him unto holiness and righteousness. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. It is, a, it is an impossibility for a man to be truly born again and keep living the life he used to live because the one who used to live it is now dead and there is a new man, a new man who is created after the image of God under righteousness and holiness. He is a brand new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Well, preacher, I tell you what, there's a lot of people running around. Mm-hmm. They sure are. There's a lot of people in here. You've professed it, you come, but you ain't changed. Your life's not different. There's not been an internal change in you that's caused an external change. Well, I tell you what. You can only say one thing. You didn't get it. I want to ask you a question. Is your old man still alive? I'm not saying do you make mistakes. Because we can make mistakes. But watch this. You cannot habitually live in them mistakes. You may trip and fall. But you're going to get back up. Ah, you're just being a little. No, no, no. No, no, no. Why, why do you think the American church is in the shape it's in? Because it's full of lost people. Who's not been changed. The old man died. Why do you think Paul said it this way? Why do you think Paul said it this way? How? How shall we who are dead to sin continue to live therein? He says, how is that even possible? Let me answer that. It's not. Because your old man is dead. Now, your new man still lives in an old flesh. And your flesh is weak. But guess what? You have power now. Whereas you didn't. So what do we do? Because of this reality. What, what do we do about it? What's our response? What is our response to this? Paul gives it to us. From verses 1 through 10. He tells us the reality. The reality, the reality is this. If you're truly saved. Your old man is dead. What happened to Jesus happened to you. He went. He Listen. He died on the cross. Went in the tomb. Raised again. Your old man died, went in the tomb, and now you are raised a brand new man that is to walk in the newness of life. You have a new life. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now watch. Watch this. Watch this. What is our response? Likewise, verse 11. What do we do about it since that's the case? Likewise, reckon ye. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin reign therefore in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. 
neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto God. So here's two things I want you to write down. What is our response to this reality? What is our response to this reality we just learned? First of all, you got to accept the truth. Write that down. You have to accept the truth. The word reckon. The word reckon here means to estimate, to take into account, or to conclude. It really means take inventory. When you reckon, there's a reckoning, right? There's a reckoning. You're taking into account. You're concluding. You're coming to this conclusion. So what is he saying? He's saying, I'm telling you, your old man is dead, and you are a new man in Christ who have been dipped and put into Christ, and now you take on the characteristics of Christ. Now, I want you to reckon that to be so. Now, what does this simply mean? The way we would talk, how would we explain this? You need to believe what God said about you is true. Let me say it again. You need to believe that what God said about you is true. You need to quit going around saying, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Not one single time in the New Testament does God ever call a believer a sinner. A sinner is one who lives in and practices habitually sin. And if you are a child of God, we have already shown you that that is an impossibility. You're not an old sinner. You might be an old saint, but you ain't an old sinner. You are a child of God. And you need to start acting like it. You need to start, what would that do? What would that do? It'll keep, these, it'll keep these people from making this claim. Oh, don't you? Don't, don't criticize people. They just sin differently than you. We're all sinners. No, we ain't. No, we ain't. And by the way, let me throw this out there. Just, just for your uh, edification. All sin ain't the same. I've heard people say, oh, well, all sin is the same. In God's eyes, all sin is the same. No, sir. No, sir. That's a lie. If that was the case, you tell me why that God would have some people, the mistakes they made, they would have to bring a sacrifice, a sin offering. Some of them, their sin, they would get stoned to death for. All sin is not the same. All sin doesn't affect you the same. Are y'all with me? You didn't expect that this morning, did you? Quit making excuses for, for unclean living. Quit making excuses for living in sin and practicing it just because you prayed a prayer when you was five years old. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to depend on my assurance on that. Because Paul said, if you are habitually, continually living in sin, you've not been born again because if you were born again, your old man is dead. And if your old man is dead, he says, this is what I need you to do. You need to believe that. Reckon it so. Reckon it so. And that's important, guys. I know y'all think this ain't no big deal to think that. Well, no, you need to know that. Not only do you need to know that, you need to believe that. Because if you don't believe that, you're going to make excuses for yourself to be ignorant. Well, I just, you know, nobody's perfect. 
We're just human. You will do and live foolishly and do things that's wrong and you will make an excuse for yourself because you're going to say, well, we're just all sinners. He says, no, you need to understand you're a new man. Your old man is. You've been put in Jesus. You've taken on the characteristics of the Lord Jesus. He says, first, you need to reckon it. You need to believe it. You need to put faith in it. Paul didn't tell his readers to feel. Look at that. Paul didn't tell his readers to feel as if they were dead to sin or even to understand it fully, but to act on God's word and claim it for themselves. Reckoning is a matter of faith that issues in action. Reckoning is not claiming a promise, but acting on a a fact. God does not command us to become dead to sin. He tells us that we are. Do y'all see that? We are dead to sin and alive unto God. And then he commands us to act on it. Even if we do not act on it, the facts are still true. So, first of all, we accept the truth. Reckon it to be so. Reckon it to be so. Look at your neighbor and say, well, I reckon. I reckon. You a new creature? I reckon so. B, now that you've accepted this truth, now that you've accepted this truth, you need to act upon this truth. How do we do that? Look what he says in verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Read it with me. But yield yourselves unto Yield yourselves unto God. Romans 12. Look at me, everybody. Look at me, everybody. Real quick, quick. I'm running out of time. Oh, goodness. Uh, Romans 12. Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, right? Say it with me. That you, that's what the word yield means, to present. You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Preacher, what am I supposed to do? Come to God and say, God, here I am. Preacher, I've just been trying so hard not to do wrong. No, 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 no. That's the wrong. That's the wrong. That's, the, that, that's wrong. Don't do that. Don't try hard not to do wrong. Get busy doing right. If you get busy doing right, it eliminates the wrong. Guess what? If you don't yield to God, you'll yield to sin. Say, here I am. What do you want me to do? You see, that's why we preach and teach so often and so much about being in the will of God. Knowing the will of God for your life. Knowing what God wants for your life. Knowing the direction God wants you to be in. Because if you're not in the will of God, uh uh-oh. Y'all with me? So reckon it to be so. My old man's dead. I'm alive in Jesus. I'm a new man. I'm going to continuously be transformed into the image of his son. So I need to yield to God just like Jesus did, right? 
What did he say in the garden? Not my will be done, but. Amen. Yield. Present. Here I am. Whatever you want me to do today, Lord, here I am. You see, by the way, that's how you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You submit to him. Filled means controlled by, influenced by. And every day of your life, you need to wake up and say, I'm a new man. And as a new man, Holy Spirit, I belong to you. I yield to you. I submit to your leadership. I submit to your guidance. You are my king. Say amen. Amen. Now, then we have the fruit. Or excuse me. uh, uh, Thirdly, write this down quickly. I'm out of time. Here's the results. Here's what happens if we do that. First of all, we experience incredible freedom. Write that down. Write that down. Freedom. What did he say? Know this. Our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. Now the word destroyed doesn't mean annihilate. Like, you know, understand what that means. It means render inactive or idle. Do we still have to live in this old flesh? Yeah. Are we still tempted to sin? Yeah. But it cannot control you anymore. You see, the difference between the old man and the new man, the old man was a slave to sin. He had no power. Sin completely controlled him. But when Jesus died on the cross, he broke the power of sin. So now the new man, he is not a slave to sin anymore. Are y'all with me? Now watch, let's read it, let's read it. He should not, that henceforth, we should not serve sin. Read it with me, verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Romans 6, 18, read it with me. Being then made, ye became the servants of righteousness. Romans 6, 14. For sin, read it with me. For sin shall not have dominion over over you. Now watch, let me explain it. Jesus freed us from the penalty of sin on the cross. We don't have to go to hell. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And these verses that we have just read, they teach us that he has freed us from the the power of sin. And one day he will come again and free us from the Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. This is what I'm trying to say. Your old man was a slave to sin. Your old man was controlled completely and was powerless over sin. Are y'all with me? But the moment he died, sin lost all power. And now I'm a new man. And sin has no power Over me. Sin will not have dominion over me. I have been freed from the power of sin. And as long as I yield to the Lord. Are y'all with me? The only way sin can get me now is if I let it. See, before I didn't have no choice. I was a slave. I was in bondage to sin. But the moment my old man died, sin lost power over me. Are y'all with me? 
and now I'm a new man. And I have freedom. Say it with me. I have. And here's the number one thing. Write this down. Not only will the results be freedom in your life, but it'll be fruit in your life. There will be fruit. Romans 6.22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God. Read it with me. Ye have your Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying if you are saved, there's going to be fruit. And by the way, nobody will have to ask you if you are. If you have to run around and tell people you're saved, you might want to check up. But there's going to be fruit. What is that fruit? Love. Joy. Peace, long-suffering, patience, goodness, mercy. You'll start loving people. Even that neighbor you despise. You'll start acting like Jesus. You'll start loving like Jesus. I don't know what's happened to me. I'm just so sensitive now. I'll tell you what happened. That old crusty, mean-spirited, hateful, unloving, corrupt, deceitful, sinful man died. And now you're a new man. Preacher, what are you saying? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Say it. God forbid. Paul says in that next verse, how? How? How is that possible? I'll answer, it's not. It's not. And all God's people say it.